Hello and welcome to PhD Talk. My name is Miriam Bayas and I'm the host on this podcast where I interview PhD students and experts in fields relevant for PhD students. For this episode, I spoke to Michael Latz. Michael is a scientist and a science illustrator and we talk about the very useful connection of art and science or combination of art and science because we think and in particular Michael thinks that the ultimate goal of science is to create an impact, right? And to create an impact, our science has to reach a broader audience. Our findings have to reach a broader audience. And art and science illustration can be used as a tool to effectively communicate results, our science and recommendations. For that, Michael shares some tips with us regarding designing posters or abstracts for manuscripts and presentation slides. So we hope that you find something useful and that you can maybe use some of the tips that she shares. And then thank you for listening and let's talk science. Hi, Michael. Hey, Miriam. Nice to have you in my podcast. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> We are sitting in the foggy uh, Stockholm. Would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are and what you do? Mm, yes, you sure. Idea? Um, my name is Michael Latz. I work as a scientist and science illustrator. Um, I have a science background. I've been working in different research fields. I'm originally from Germany. I studied in Aachen, just classical biology, and then moved a little bit around to work with um, plants and microbes. And right now I'm still partly working on my postdoc on um, the plant microbiome in conservation agriculture. But uh, two years ago, I also started working as a freelance science illustrator. And that's what I'm very excited about, to bring more emphasis on visual communication to the sciences. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so what is it that a science illustrator does? Like, what, is your, what do you do as a science illustrator? Um, I make illustrations. Um, scientists uh, contact me when they have a need for any kind of visualizations, which could be like conference posters, could be illustrations for uh, a paper or graphical abstracts for papers or um, illustrations for presentations. So can, the purpose is quite broad and uh, usually they come with a relatively, or it can be different. Like sometimes they come with a clear idea. They say, oh, we need this. And sometimes they come with a sketch and say, oh, we just want to have this look nice. And then other times they need a graphical abstract for their paper and then they will just send me the manuscript and based on the manuscript I will make like a visual representation of the main message of the paper. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really fun working with scientists. Like I learn a lot about very different research areas, which I would usually not get in contact with. And I also really enjoy um, helping researchers communicate their research and like reaching a broader audience yeah and when you when you get uh, contacted by a scientist and they give you a paper 
like what is it that you do like the process of having something in written understanding it turning it into something that is i guess very easy to understand for for a broader audience compared to the very niche hmm. scientist do you have a strategy i kind of it um i didn't start out with having a process for that but what um i think like i started it just happened that this kind of process developed for me that i I'll start reading, like, uh, I have a lot of experience reading papers from being a scientist. And so I will start reading the title and the abstract. And then I will scan the manuscript for, for like, uh, the figures and see um, what I take out of that. And then I kind of try to summarize the manuscript in, let's say, um, in a main message of maybe from two to see, uh, two sentences. And I collect a couple of keywords. Let's say I collect seven keywords or something like that. And then I will find visual representations of these keywords. And then I will kind of consider what kind of layout would fit. Like, is it like a linear story or is it like comparing different treatments? And then it kind of gets like um, gets together again uh, to present the results. And depending on that, I will choose the layout and then arrange the visual elements um, in this layout and usually I start with doing everything on paper because then one can try out different things very quickly and once I decided of um, these are the elements I want to have and this is the layout that works well I will um, go to the drawings in Adobe Illustrator so in a graphic design software that's the process and then I will send the first version of the abstract to the visual abstract to um, the scientist and they give me feedback and often that goes back and forth like two times or so until the scientist is happy with um, what I created and then I'll send an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mostly try to distill the main message of a paper in very few sentences Yeah. Then you distill it further when turning it into keywords. Yes. And then you're like, okay, what, what would each keyword look like? Basically yes. replacing the keywords by images. Yes, exactly. And then you're trying to find a storyline yeah. through those keywords. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I see. And when you, when you see like graphical abstracts, is there like something that you, you could advise? Like what is, something is if there is general recommendations on things that work well and maybe things that don't work that well yeah i think that's a good point what i would generally advise to keep it quite simple so i would i would advise against using data visualizations from the paper in the graphical abstract like the purpose of a graphical abstract is that one Uh, it should give a quick impression of the main message of a paper. And in that sense, it should like work within, I don't know, 20 seconds. That means we don't have time to interpret things much. So data visualization will take too much time to interpret. So it's really focus on visual elements and focus on like to have a very clear reading order. Like you shouldn't be forced to go back and forth and in different corners. It should be like very intuitive 
like, oh, I'm going from left to right or top to bottom or in a circle. That doesn't really matter, but um, make it like as easy as possible to understand. And then I would keep the complexity quite low. So um, it's good good to use very clear visual representations and it shouldn't take too long to identify what it is. And um, one can never use enough negative space. That means space where there's no no text or no visual. That's really important to have like white space to clarify the order as well. Uh, what else is there? Ah, yes, don't use too much text. That is a good, like, text should only be supporting the visual message, but shouldn't be main way of communicating. And at the title of a paper. Yes, I think these are some some suggestions. Ah, yeah, and colors. Colors are very important too. <laughs> I would usually, when I design a graphical abstract, I would start out with having everything in gray, and then I would check if there's any any given colors that I have to use. Like, is there like um, does the journal have a certain color that um, of a logo, for example? And then based on that, I would decide on a main color, and then I would highlight the most important thing in this color. And then you can have like a secondary color that is then used. For, so you kind of establish that hierarchy. You can have toned down colors in order to establish that. Or, uh, yeah, exactly. These are some thoughts. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> Useful thoughts. I, I would just try to summarize it. So I think it's it's good to a lot of negative space. So no drawings, nothing to uh, keep the eye calm. <laughs> a few words, simple illustrations, easy to understand, a logical flow of things. And then like upscaling when it comes to colors, like starting out with very few colors or even none if it's gray and then slowly but surely adding more. Mm. Yeah, I see. And what is it that like fascinates you by science communication? Like why do you think it's so valuable? Mm. I mean, I think the essence of science is that science is only valuable if it can be communicated. Like what's the point of having insights that you don't distribute? That's not because we're, we're moving forward in science. And if you don't share what you find out, then we will not move forward as like a general science community. And I think there's far too little emphasis on science communication. It's very understandable. Like as a researcher, one has so many responsibilities already. One has to be a writer. One has to be a project manager. One has to be a lab technician. One has to be, yeah, a people manager. A lot of things. A presenter. And then now we also have to be communicators. And I understand that that can feel far too much, but it's really only, yeah, I guess science gets its worth from, from being, from reaching other people. That's kind of, that's how we create impact. Yeah. And I also feel that uh, since most of the science is financed by, by the public, by, by taxes, that we owe the taxpayers that we inform them of what we're doing. Mm. So I think it should be made accessible to the general public as well. And then if they decide to 
learn about it or not. That's up to them. But I think we have a responsibility to to make our research research accessible to everyone. Yeah, true. <laughs> What is it worth if we if we find out things and then they no one ever reads them? Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is there something else that you that you like about your work or that you would like to say mm. about science communication? I mean, I focus mostly on the visual part of science communication. Um, there's a writing part as well, but I I think I've always I've been maybe just I'm a very visual person and I I appreciate aesthetics and I actually when I When I was a kid, I or like when I finished school, I was like, "Oh, should I become an artist or a scientist?" Or so I had this like art or biology, which I was both really into. And my my parents told me like, "Oh, you'll never make a living with art." So <laughs> biology it became. But I remember when I was in school, there was this like school books and this really cool illustration. I was just dreaming of like, "Oh, that would be so cool to make those." And then I heard um, of this profession of a science illustrator. That was while I was doing my postdoc. And I got so excited. It's like, wow, this is so cool. I want to do that. I think that visualization just has something that that text doesn't have. It kind of, it's so, it grabs our attention. It's so quick at, yeah, at conveying a message. Yeah, it just gives a nice, It's it's just really nice to look at something aesthetic, I think. So it cannot be underappreciated or appreciated enough. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess it's not just about uh, communicating science in an understandable way, but also in a way that like speaks to us, right? Exactly, yes. So not just easy, but also pretty, I guess. Yes, yeah, at least that's how I like to see it. Or that's how I want to create visualizations, that it's like it should be functional, but it should also look good. And that's also part of a functionality because if I want to, let's say you're at a conference and you're looking at all these posters and most of them are not very appealing, but maybe the topic is interesting and then you kind of have to force yourself to pay attention to it, even though you, it's like kind of hard because it doesn't look very interesting. But if it's instead you have this like something like some very visually appealing elements that immediately catches your attention, makes you curious to to read. Like it just makes everything so much more accessible just by by simply putting a little bit of effort into making a nice design and creating visualizations. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's underestimated how powerful visualizations are in like conveying information. Mm-hmm. Do you also have some tips when it comes to designing a poster? How is it different from an abstract? Uh, there is some overlaps, actually. So I like to see a poster. I like to think of a poster of having different levels. If we imagine we are at a conference, at a big conference, and we have a poster session, and there'll be a big hall with thousand posters, and you have this labyrinth of posters, you have about three seconds If you stand there with your poster, you have three seconds to catch someone's attention who walks past. And then if you don't get that chance, it will be lost. They will not stop. So the poster needs to function at one level of catching attention. This is the first level. And then you try to draw them in closer. 
then you try to get them into like reading the, the actual details. So at the first level, what really helps is to have like a really big visual element that just looks nice. And you can, there's many ways of doing that. You can have like, I don't know, if you work on, uh, on a certain topic, you can represent a per certain part of a topic in like just visually in a really big size. And that can take up like, I don't know, maybe a fourth of your poster. And it's really, it's, it's like posters are like advertisements. So, and then the first, so that's the first step. Okay. We managed like this bypasser like comes and then like we managed to, to catch their attention and then they'll come a bit closer. It's like, oh, this looks nice. And this looks like it's kind of easily accessible information. And this is kind of interesting theory called information foraging theory that when that, that, that things have a certain information scent like oh this smells really strong like smells like oh there's a lot of information that's easy to access and the easy access part is really important for example if we then uh, we can compare that with uh, someone goes uh, picking berries and then a, a poster that is very uh, looks very difficult to access could be compared to a bush that's very thorny there might be like information berries on that bush but they're so difficult to access that we just decide to skip that bush. And we want to have very easily accessible information barriers. And through like visualization, we can, we can achieve that. We can make things very easy to access. And then people are much more willing to take it up. But let's get back to the order. So we have the first catching attention order uh, level. Then we have a second level which we want to give a visual representation of a content. And that's where we can basically reuse the content of a graphical abstract. Like if we're presenting our paper or a research project, I would put a graphical abstract of a short visual representation of what this poster is about or what this research is about. And then the person will identify as like, oh, is that relevant for me? And if that uh, feels relevant to them, they will come closer and then they will look at like uh, read the, maybe read your methods, read the details, look at your data visualizations. So that's when you can have like more information, but also that shouldn't be overloaded because you're hopefully standing next to your poster and will be able to give information, give more information if, if needed. I would also always add some QR codes to, if you have a paper to the paper or to your homepage or to anything like kind of further reading so that you keep the information on the poster as slim as possible. I think the worst thing that can happen is when someone comes and says, so tell me about your poster. That kind of means that your poster doesn't say anything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you want to, you want your poster to tell something and then they can ask you about the details. That was my speech on <laughs> how to make a poster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, perfect. Okay, so big visualization, graphical abstract, and then exactly if people are still with you, yes, then okay, yes, make it easy for them, like make yeah. it easy for them to come closer. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then text and um, like graphical representation of figures. Do you think that do you think figures belong um, um, posters? Like, yeah. I think like some data visualizations, they're not too complex. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, sometimes I guess that's also okay if they're a bit complex, like 
because then you'll be there, like you'll be next to your poster and you can help explain. Yeah. But yeah, kind of keep it, also keep that part relatively short. Mm. Not too much information overload, just to get them kind of interested and want to learn more. Do you have a tip on how to cut down on information? Because at least what I see, and I guess also what I've done myself, is I try to put everything on my paper, which of course doesn't make sense. Like mm -hmm. no one's no one's ever going to read everything. Yeah. Um, how do you cut and cut and cut and cut? Maybe I would start the other way around. Okay. I wouldn't start. Like I think cutting down is kind of difficult. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying with your, let's say you make a poster about your paper, um, instead of kind of trying out, starting out with using the whole paper <laughs> and then trying to cut it down, okay. maybe do it the other way around. Maybe just try to take keywords or key messages from from your um, paper and kind of start building up instead of cutting down. I think that that process is a bit easier. It's always difficult to get rid of things and everything feels important. Yeah, right. Like kind mm -hmm. of decide on one one message you want to convey. And probably putting a whole paper on a poster is too much anyway. So maybe just select the main message um, or one message that you want to present in mm -hmm. that context or that feels relevant for that context. Maybe it also makes sense to think, what, what is this conference for? What is this poster for? Why am I here? Yeah, exactly. Very much. Yeah. Like, is it for me to network? Yeah. How much does my poster matter? That's a very good point. Like, what are people interested in and what are you interested in? Like, maybe you're finishing your PhD and you're looking for a postdoc and you use that as a way to attract people who do what you want to do in the future. I guess that could be a way to, to use a poster as well. I guess like having your intentions in mind and also the people's interests. Yeah, maybe you could have come up with a completely different way of using a poster for. And maybe also if it is, I can imagine if it's not a finished paper, then maybe my intention behind a poster could be to get feedback. Definitely. Because maybe I'm in the middle of things and I'm unsure. Definitely. So, yeah, definitely. I think so too. Yeah. So we have graphical abstracts and, and posters. Presentations, Presentations are also a, yeah. a topic. So would you help scientists to like design their slides? Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm also teaching a course myself, Karolinska Institute, two-week PhD course on science visualization, basically. And so I'm designing a lot of lectures for that. And I think uh, like as every scientist I went through, like the PhD, you just start out learning how to give presentations and what how to make lectures. And you kind of just, I mean, you're just exposed to the slides of your peers. So you will try to probably do it a bit like them. But now I'm going, now I'm kind of taking a different approach. I have a crazy amount of slides. And I will only have a very simple message on each slide. So I will not have complicated slides at all. I will not have text and figures, for example. I just have like one message on each slide. So let's say for a half an hour presentation, I might have, I don't know, 50 slides or something like that, which feels a lot. And it's a lot of work to make these presentations, but it becomes really fun to give them, I think. 
and one has to, has to think a lot about the structure and how to like visually represent what you want to talk about. Um, yeah, so I, I like very visual visual um, presentations, uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you have a chance, I think like really try to experiment to get rid of text completely. Maybe have like one one conclusion on every slide or like one point or something like that and then try to yeah use visualizations to uh, convey the message mm. okay mm -hmm. and that you think would work for for a different context like be it a lecture be it a conference presentation i think so mm -hmm. mm. yeah i feel like it's very good to keep in mind that everything that you have on a slide should be relevant for the audience. I think often people like I've 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 been very very much doing that myself. Like one adds a little bit too much things because we do want to seem smart as scientists, right? We do want to appear like, oh, we've done a lot of experiments and look at all these amazing results, especially if we feel like actually they're not very amazing and actually I haven't been doing very much. So it can be like very tempting to just put on a lot of things so it appears uh, impressive mm. but that's kind of failing the point of communicating what you what you've been doing so i think like really um let's say if you present a paper in a journal club and then i wouldn't i wouldn't put like a whole figure with like several sub panels on one slide and then you only talk about one and the other ones are kind of um you don't talk about then you lose your audience attention when they look at When they look, when they try to understand, it's like, oh, but why is this there? And will we talk about this? And I wonder about this. And so only put things that you're actually going to present and want the audience to learn about. Okay. Mm -hmm. So simplicity. Simplicity, simplicity. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's also something like hiding behind what we did, like hiding behind a very busy paper yes. hiding behind very busy slides right yes yes yeah. very much mm -hmm. and i think people will be impressed and grateful if you do that mm -hmm. and they will not think you're stupid they will think you're courageous <laughs> yeah yeah and that they actually wow i learned something and that's that's not so common when on <laughs> science presentations <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah true <laughs> perfect mm. yeah so you you said you also uh, teach science illustration yes exactly so i'm i'm teaching a two-week course at karolinska institute twice a year it's like a three ects course for phd students and the course is called science illustration and data visualization and uh, it's actually uh, opening for sign up October 16th. Uh, so if you want to join in April next year, uh, it's free for all PhD students, but there's a limited number of seats. So there's a little bit of luck involved to get in. Uh, so, so I teach these courses, but I also teach workshops. Like sometimes I'm invited by an institute. I want a workshop, for example, on graphical abstracts or on how to make a better poster or mm. all this kind of or like how to learn, maybe learning a graphic design software like Adobe Illustrator or learning how to make data visualizations in R. So I can kind of, sometimes I give this very targeted, maybe half day, full day workshops, or I have this like a full course. And then in the course, 
the participants learn about kind of the the science behind what makes visualization effective and that is based on like cognitive psychology and visual perception and then we use that to guide us on how to create effective visuals and we analyze like what makes a visual effective and also what is the desired impact of our visual like what do we want to achieve with our visual is it to like communicate or convince or um, there's a lot of different impacts one can like one can or focuses one can have when creating a visualization and then part of the then there will be this is more the theoretical aspect and then there will be a practical aspect of actually learning how to use um, the software and creating um, vector illustrations and also learning how to create data visualizations in R and then importing them into um, the vector uh, software vector designed software and kind of for example then composing figures for publication or also adjusting adjusting the data visualizations like for example i mean we can't we can't move the uh, points around in the scatter plot to make it look nicer but we can <laughs> we can decide on like oh maybe we want a different font or we want to have different colors or something like that or the legend should look differently so that is kind of a lot of work to arrange and perfectionize when when coding the plot in R, but it's very easy to do in Illustrator. So it's actually like a really nice combo to combine these two softwares. Mm -hmm. And then the final submission will be to uh, to create an illustration. And then we have a lot of like peer feedback rounds and like kind of practical exercises to like go through the whole design process with and get feedback from the teachers and the peers. Mm -hmm. It's also very helpful to look at the design process of other people and get inspired by that. Like how do other people do that? And mm -hmm. so I think it's, um, yeah, it's a really fun course. We got very positive feedback. Like people seem to really like it. That's nice. So come and join. You're also very welcome to invite me to your institute. Yeah. If you have a need for like learning uh, or like having a workshop to organize, but also I'm also happy to, to help with making illustrations Yeah. whenever you have a need for it. Yeah, perfect. A little advertisement. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I can add to that that Michael made very nice illustrations for my PhD dissertation. <laughs> yeah, those were really fun. We had yeah. a cool idea of creating these comics. I think they were really fun to make. Yeah. Such a good idea. Turning my paper into comics. Yeah. I'm a comic fan. Maybe you should add them to a post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I am to contact you. How, how should, how can I, I don't know, behave? <laughs> no, like how, I don't know, what's the right term? How right. does it work? Yes. That's a very reasonable question because I think not so many scientists have worked with designers or science illustrators before. And I think we are very flexible. So I have a website and then there's a contact form. You can also write an email or... Uh, call me on the phone and then that's basically um, describing what you want so I what I ask if someone contacts me oh I need a visualization and I, what I ask is like okay what is it about um, what is the target audience what is the context where it will be presented and when do you need it and what budget do you have then I will 
come up with a suggestion of what I, I can maybe make a very quick sketch. And then the scientist will say, yes, that is good. And then I will give a budget. I would say, this is how much it will cost. And then we can agree to that. And it will not deviate from, I will not deviate from the price unless there will be additional requests. And then I would say, oh, this is now exceeding the budget. We need to up it a little bit or something mm. like that. So that's the process. And then I, it goes back and forth a few times to for revisions. And then in the end, I send an invoice. And usually um, it takes about a week. Say I send, I send the first version in a week. And then it depends a little bit how quick um, the customer replies. Like, so to, yeah, that depends on how quick we will be able to finish it up. And then you can also tell me if it's very tight deadline, then I can usually try to squeeze it in my schedule and make some room for it because mm -hmm. other people, they don't have so tight deadlines. And sometimes it's like, oh, it needs to be done the next day or something like that. So <laughs> that's possible too, like if I can make time for it. But often I can make it work. Hmm. Yeah. And it's also, I think, a bit of paying respect to the research that has been done. Yeah. Like similar to writing, I think. Like I often also hear that people are like, they really like the science that they do. But then writing feels like a bit of a burden. Hmm. But then actually writing it is when it comes to being presented to someone else, right? That is, is true. to say with like illustrations. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like what I did is worth something and yes. it's worth being communicated in a nice way. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I guess the resistance that, is, that I sometimes meet is like sometimes people think that I'm doing that as a hobby. So I think like many scientists, they're not so much in contact with money at least not for services because we as scientists are so used to doing everything ourselves we're supposed to be kind of everything mm -hmm. including graphic designers or illustrators so i think for many it can be first a little bit weird to pay for a service but most of the customers i have they it's the first time they work with an illustrator and then they're very happy about like wow this is so nice that i don't have to do that Because mm. since I'm so used to doing that, I'd be much faster in creating a poster, for example, than um, a scientist who will like spend, I don't know, a few days on it. And I, I can do it like in a day or something, oh, half a day or so. Mm. So if someone would like to contact you, how could they do that? You could uh, find me on my website. It's michaelatz.com. I have an email address. It's mail at michaelatz.com. You can call me on my phone. <laughs> you can write me on LinkedIn. Yeah, you can send me a, a pigeon or communicate through smoke signals. <laughs> okay. You can come you by want... and ring on my door. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quite open, whatever feels good for you. <laughs> okay, yeah, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All the channels work. Yeah. We really covered a lot of things. Yeah, I learned something. Like, I know that I could have designed my posters differently. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, probably also my graphic abstracts. I think I'm guilty of using figures in at least one of my graphic abstracts. But I think that's, like, how do we learn these things? We just, <laughs> we only see what we are surrounded with. Yeah, and, and that's very natural. And that's yeah. why I feel like it's really useful to have these courses to... Get some more instructions on yeah. how to create these things a bit more professionally. Yeah, right. Because I, I can often see like that uh, a graphical abstract is not really appealing to me, 
Yeah. But telling you why? Yeah, exactly. I mean, colors could be an obvious one, mm. right? Being too crowded, but other than mm. that, yeah, yeah, it's more difficult. Mm. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you to you. <laughs> thank you. Welcome back. I hope that you got some useful insights regarding science illustration and how to turn your science into art. If you found it useful or if you have comments or questions, then please let us know below the post on LinkedIn of this episode. And then if you found the episode useful, again, feel free to share it with someone else who might also find it useful. And then I would like to thank you for listening. And I'm looking forward to welcoming you here again in the next episode. Until then, I wish you all the best. Bye-bye. Yours, Miriam. <laughs>